Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. I am your host, Bill Stakos. I've got a really special guest, Bill Kenny. First time I think I'm having another Bill on the show, by the way. This this could get confusing, man. At least cool. in the transcript when we use the AI on Descript to make a transcript. Bill Kenny is a CEO and partner at Focus Lab, and it's a, it's a global B2B brand agency. And they're working with some of the world's fastest growing B2B brands to lead and inspire. And Bill's got a really great perspective. And we're talking about today, folks, how to bring brand and experience together. And there's probably no better person to talk about this than Bill. Bill, thanks so much for coming to the show. Really excited for the conversation. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. All right. So, Bill, you've got a really interesting story and background. We start off every show with just listen, hearing from our guests, their journey, what differentiated their career path in some of those twists and turns. And if you just take a couple of minutes and just walk us through that. Yeah. So without going too far back, the short story, kind of like, how do we keep this focused on like, how did I get into this career? The short story is ultimately I was a bad student, but a really great artist. Uh, And that's to say really great. I almost cringe saying that. What I mean by that is I was really terrible in school all the way into college until I became an art major. And then I was like, hey, now this is a thing I can get awesome. behind. And I I mean, I immediately went from like a C student to a pure straight A, getting 4.0s every semester and enjoying it, right? That was a dynamic shift for me. Yeah. So there was a light bulb moment there for me, like just in my life, that like, okay, there's this is going to be around me. I don't know what to what degree. I don't know how this is going to become a, a career per se. But that was a pretty big shift for me and, and ultimately what has landed me kind of in this position that I'm in now. That's an awesome story. So I was a smart kid. I never applied myself, but I always got good grades. I just, I didn't want the hassle from my parents, but I just didn't apply myself very well in other ways. I ultimately found my calling and my groove as well. So b- before we get into the show, I just help our listeners understand and just talk a little bit about Focus Lab, how you're mm-hmm. working with clients, the work that you guys are doing. Yeah, so I'll I'll do a little bit of a bridge here to say like, well, how did you go from an art school yeah. BFA to now like starting a business? So, like I said, I didn't really know what that was going to actually turn into. So the way that I stalled that it was to say, oh, I'll just go back to school. I'll just get my master's degree at another art school, <laughs> and uh, that will give me time to like figure out what the hell I'm going to do. So I, I did that, but ultimately my financial aid fell through, and I did not go to that school. So that mm. landed me in Savannah, Georgia, which is where that school was. And I just decided I was going to stay there and figure life out. And through a series of of years and kind of like non-design, non-specific jobs, I ended up meeting my business partner at Applebee's. We have a lot of fun with that internally in our company. <laughs> our, the magic date at Applebee's. I met my business partner, Eric. And he's a developer. I'm, I'm now calling myself a designer at that point, right? I yeah. still don't really know what that means. I've never worked at an agency. I'm not really designing anywhere, but just on my own for like friends and family. But that was the spawning of the business. So we meet and say, wow, we can be powerful together. 
from a design and development perspective. Mm -hmm. If you think about the world at that point, that's like 2008. It's not super early web, but it is yeah, kind of back still. in that point where it's like, okay, there's still people that are realizing like, wow, I need a website. Who the hell do I go to? So that spawned our business, right? Just two guys with no business background, no real experience in the industry, but, but a passion for their craft. I loved designing things. He loved developing things. It was our natural kind of itch. And we went off on that journey together. And now there's a third partner and a team of 30 and, you know, 13 years behind us. That's such a great success story. You were working as a graphic artist for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I'm curious, what was the spark between you guys that when you met, it was like, this is it. We got to go do this. Like, I'm just curious because I've never, I'll put it this way. I've never been maybe courageous enough to go do my own thing, but I actually enjoy working for companies. But what was that spark that you guys were like, hey, this is it. We got to go do this. I'm just curious. Yeah. So I think it was part courage, but it was part like being naive, right? You're kind <laughs> of like young and dumb. You're like, hey, this will be awesome. I'm certainly the like ultimate optimist. And at that point, I'll, just, I'll speak for myself and then I'll kind of like clarify Eric's position at, at that time. But like, I was a young single guy, no kids, no nothing, just kind of like, cool. Like it did, the downside risk seemed very minimal to me. Yeah. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? Eric, on the other hand, although younger than me, was already married and had his first child. Right. So now you're talking about, well, I need health benefits. Like, yeah, yeah, I can't eat ramen every day like you, man. So it took him a little bit longer. And there became like that kind of like leap of faith, that courage moment. So we did this kind of like freelancing thing, maybe a year or more at this at this point. It's kind of hard to remember, quite honestly, but it, it was stable enough that he's like, I think there really is a thing here. Let's go for it. But because of my I was completely unleashed and riskier nature. Yeah. I just started earlier, right? I just said like, okay, well, I'll just start. You keep yeah. your real job. You'll do this yeah. on the side and then we'll make it your real job too. And yeah, it's, it's a fun journey to think back on actually. Very, very cool, man. You guys were doing a side hustle before side hustles were a real thing. Actually. Pretty much. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like people say like, oh, you're a freelancer. And I'm like, yeah, but I never used that word actually. Cause I didn't yeah. even know what that meant. I was just... Yeah. I was doing things on the side to make money. I'd, I'd call it whatever you want to call it. I didn't yeah. call it anything other yeah. than like, can I get paid? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> that's awesome. So let's start with the conversation, maybe at a high level, Bill. You've got, and, and I'm always just mindful of this and, and a lot of the jargon in the industry that folks use, right? You've got brand experience BX, which is a relatively newish term. Customer experience CX has been around for a long time. Product experience or PX now, a lot of folks call it, which is still relatively new. I want to just hear from you. What do you think the difference is between brand experience or CX and PX? Do you think yeah, about so that for, at all in your For work? what it's worth, yeah, and I don't. And I think this will be clear in my answer, which is to go to all the way to the finish line, which is like, it's all, it's all brand experience at the end of the day. Like brand is the parent and all the experiences happen within that. Right. So like mm. Disney's brand experience would be broken down into parts. And yeah, sure, you could break it down into what's the actual interaction and the experience in the stores. What is it like to experience their products, their digital products? Like you can label the hell out of all those things if you want. But ultimately it is like the the larger brand experience. What mm-hmm. is it like to walk into a Starbucks? That's a full brand experience. 
from the smells, the sights, the interactions with the people. So what's interesting to me is, quite honestly, I had never even heard the word brand experience until prep for this interview. Really, I seriously no kidding. And again, that means like I'm either in a bubble or like again, it doesn't maybe I'm so in a bubble that it doesn't matter. Like I've not even heard that term. I hear UX a lot, right? Like user experience is closer to kind of like even some of the work that we do. Yeah. Brand experience is kind of like it's it's like, yeah, like I breathe air. Like, yeah, it's like, of course. Does it need a label? (laughs) I love that's the problem, right? With sort of What's going on? I think in the broader context of experience management, folks are really trying to like find it, whether it's a new product or a groove or a new thing to talk about. We like to confuse, and I'm just speaking from a purely CX perspective, we do like to confuse ourselves with new jargon. And that's why I was like, I love your answer. Like, it's so spot on, man. But like, just everyone's talking about brand experience now, like what that means. I'm like, I I think that we're just conflating stuff and just, just to like, I don't know, maybe sell better. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely happening out there in the marketplace. I love that you've never heard that term before. I think that's awesome. And you're not living in a bubble. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you're not listening to all the BS that's out there in the world going yeah, on. Yeah, it might be that I'm just separated from that more like enterprise yeah. jargon that's happening by the time that maybe clients come to us. We just know and they know they need to work on brand and they're not saying we need to up our brand experience. Yeah. But they're not using that terminology yet. Maybe it'll trick around, trickle around in a couple of years and I'm like, oh my God, everyone's using that word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to blame. Don't start using it, please. I, I implore you. There's a lot of conversation around purpose right now, right? I'm sure that's something that comes up in, in the work that mm-hmm. you guys are doing. I feel like the the pandemic has certainly accelerated the importance of it. And whether that's to companies, to brands, et cetera. For our non-marketing listeners out there, maybe, I think even like the CX folks and EX folks understand purpose. But tell us a little bit about interconnectivity between purpose and brand, maybe. Yeah. So for you're right. It has kind of like, it's been maybe more illuminated. It's been heightened this idea that like you have to lead with your purpose, but for what it's worth, that has always been true. I don't think everybody knew it as clearly as they know now. So for us, purpose is the, that is the soul of the brand and needs to be understood in going through a rebrand exercise. So Mm -hmm. we can't do our work effectively at focus Lab if we don't know the ultimate like purpose and soul of the business. And the way you see this play out in the market, which it would be easier for people to kind of relate to Mm -hmm. is like Tesla is an easy example, right? Like what is their true purpose? What is that purpose of the, it's not to build like awesome new cars. They are doing that as a result. That's like the output, but the purpose is a more sustainable planet, right? So they're going to do that in a variety of ways. They're going to do that power cells for your house, solar panels, cars, but they have like a driving purpose. And when you have that, it makes you more relatable and it actually gives people something to sink their teeth into both externally customer side and internally team side, right? People want to join SpaceX because they're up for that purpose. They're up for that mission. We want to go to Mars and I'll work here my whole life and maybe we'll yeah. never get there, but I will have started to propel that mission there. It's easy to think about sustainability purpose driven companies, even if you think about like the Patagonias of the world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're proving that purpose is paramount, right? It's like, you need that if you really want to succeed or else 
you start to slip backwards into a commodity racing to the bottom on pricing like what else are you building your brand around don't build it around features that's not a you don't <laughs> want to be on that hamster wheel right like yeah. there needs to be a purpose are you finding that the conversations you're having with clients or prospects whatever that is or just people out there in industry do you find that they are clear on their purpose or is that still something that a lot of folks are coming around to and figuring out it's a mixed bag, really, because we're generally working in B2B tech, but of kind of like all sizes, meaning some are like seed stage, some are all the way to like a series D. They're already targeting IPO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So depending on where they are in their life cycle of their business, they have or have not figured out that purpose. What we do, regardless, though, is to help them clarify that. Maybe they know it, but they haven't captured it and verbalized it well yet. Maybe they didn't know how important that purpose was, so they've not even like shown it to the world yet, mm-hmm. or they don't know at all, and we help them kind of find that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I, I, there's nobody that says this is not important. So we just, thankfully yeah. we don't have to kind of like cross that bridge. Sell them on that, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. Probably not a customer you want to work with either, if that's something Correct. that we're going down, right? Yeah, yeah, they might be in a different spot. They're like, listen, I know purpose is important, but like. I just need to get to the 10 yard line. What can you do? It's like, well, we're just not the right company for that, but that doesn't mean you're bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You just got some more work to do. Yeah. Let's take that maybe down a level if we could, Bill, and talk about brand strategy. So for you, what are some of the core tenets when you're working with clients developing that that strategy perhaps? And what questions, but equally as importantly, like what questions should leader be asking at that stage when they're like trying to create that? Yeah, so let me disqualify myself real quick. As the designer and the business, one of the business founders, strategy has never been close to my kind of like daily duties, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I'll speak broadly, and some of the strategists at Focus Lab will cringe when they hear my answers, <laughs> but that's cool because I've disqualified myself. So when we think about strategy at Focus Lab, we are clear to say, We do not approach strategy by, well, let's go out and ask 100 customers what they think this company should be Mm -hmm. and let's test. That that whole thing is is further down the line and is different. That's more of a marketing, testing, Mm -hmm. polling type of approach. We would argue, coming back to that like soul of the business, Elon doesn't need to go out to the market and say, hey, everybody, do you believe in a more sustainable world? He's like, that's what I believe in. I don't need to poll you for that. You either can join my my mission or not, Mm -hmm. but that is truly what I believe in. So we try to pull our, our our customers back to say, no, we're not going to go out to the market and run all these polls and interviews and stuff. We're just going to figure out, hey, founder, or hey, hey, business now, 10 years in, like literally, why do you get out of bed? Yes, you might have a sales product, mm-hmm. a platform for to help people sell a CRM, but like that's still the that's still like the what? Like what's the why to come back to that mm-hmm. Simon Sinek mm-hmm. stuff? Start mm-hmm. with why. Why do you exist? So that would definitely be a core tenant of strategy. First, figuring out why do you exist? Okay. Then we would want to say in your market, we, we would want to look at the market, right? We're not blind sure. to it. We don't yeah. just put on blinders. We would we want to see who else in the market aligns to that same why and how can we make sure that we are different from that mm-hmm. why to some degree. There has to be, to plug another book, I guess, there has to be some sort of a blue ocean for you to kind of sit in if you really kind of want to lead that category. So for Focus Lab, for example, we could have just said, 
well, we're a brand and web shop, which is kind of like what we did for a long time. It doesn't really work all that great. Or you could say, we're actually a brand agency. Okay, now you're getting a little bit carved down and strategy mm-hmm. will help you kind of mm-hmm. carve that down. And then you get a more specific and you say, we're B2B brand agency. And now you start to find your clear ocean. Got so it. to come all the way back to your question, like strategy is meant to kind of illuminate those opportunities. And you can do it in a variety of ways. They're like, there are things that we run in our strategy portion of our project. We look at archetypes, right? Like what's mm-hmm. the archetype of mm-hmm. the business that mm-hmm. helps us tell a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at what we call like three core words. We have this deck of cards with a bunch of descriptive words on a bunch of adjectives. And we want to boil, call it a hundred cards down to three. Say like, okay, your company's essence should feel magical, joyful, and enlightening or something. That's the three words of the business. That's again, another piece of the strategic foundation that we can build off of to close this point. So that when we go to design and communications, we're not just making things that look cool, following trends in the market, chasing yeah. subjective kind of I like it's. It's very much rooted in all that strategic work, which is just like, really, it's a lot of like introspective thinking about the business, what it stands for, what it wants to be. And you're still not going out to, well, at that point, maybe you want to go out to customers and say, does this company, do you think that this company stands for these things? Or when do you think We don't do that. that. No, we don't. We don't. And and maybe that will change. Like I'm not, I'm not so naive that I'm like, well, we'll never go out and ask anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah. But we we don't because we still stand on that. Like when we're dying on that hill of the customer, you really want to get to the customer to say like, hey, we've released a couple of these features. Are they helpful for you? When you, mm-hmm. If you back away from that, you get back to the brand. I don't need to go ask the market, do you think we should be B2B or B2C? That's my decision to make yeah. at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. That's foundational. Yeah. I love that. Very, very cool. What, if you can then say, then tie that back to, if we drill down a little, even a little bit further, Bill... How should companies think about then connecting the experience they want to deliver with their brand, right? Because then it could be a little bit more feature functionality driven. Because if here's my why, here's what we stand for and what we promise we will do every day for you, then how do you start to connect or how do you work with clients to start connecting the experience end of it back to that brand and make sure that there's no daylight between the two? Yeah, so there, those gaps show up when the company is not clear on what it is actually driving towards, right? So if it forgets that its its purpose is sustainability and it and it thinks mm-hmm. that it's actually a car company, it loses sight of that bigger picture and it just starts to make other cars that are not good for that. Mm-hmm. So it really it comes back to the brand. It's no yep. surprise that I'll keep pulling us back there because yeah. that's the type of company I run. Yeah, yeah. But like you start at that brand and you make sure that everybody in the entire organization is clear, top to bottom, all the way through. Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? So that then when you are rolling out new features or thinking about new divisions in the company, whatever, like you have to be able to North Star back to that thing. Yep. Say like, hey, does it align to that? If it doesn't, you should be saying we shouldn't do this. And again, it has to get outside of features too. So Starbucks is, if they're actually don't, I don't know what their vision is, but if I was to assume it's to create a different experience of a coffee shop than other places, then whether that is in the brewing process, how the relationship of where the counter is to the people picking up the coffee, like yeah. all things need to be measured against that idea of what they're trying to build. And 
you said something in there, Bill, that I want to just kind of just double click on just for a quick second. It was around sort of this concept of making everyone sort of in the company understand and work towards that as well. How big is sort of the change management component to all this work? Because I think sometimes like that's where Ooh. it dies on the vine, right? Like, okay, we've gone through this exercise. We know what our purpose is. It's clear to sort of executives and everyone and the agency we're working with. Everyone's kind of loving it. We have formulated that into a couple of words. We've started to create some design guidelines around that and what that, how, how does that manifest in sort of the things that we're doing? How do you then make it real for people? Are you guys doing that as well? Or where do you see the breakdown there? So the breakdown there happens if there's not that real deeply like ingrained buy-in from the start, right? Maybe it's still looked at, let's just make up some random size companies. Like if it's a 3000 person company and founder and CEO is kind of like, yes, marketing team, I, I approve you to do that. But like, I don't think it's going to change much, right? So you've already got a gap existing there because that really needs to rain down from the tarp, like yeah, top yeah. hardcore. It needs to be, we've made this, like you almost need this, like as much as you can, this Steve Jobs iPhone on stage moment to say, this is the new us. And you're speaking to the entire company about why that matters. And it's like pushing it into the DNA. It's not just, oh, like, here's this new style guide. So like we got a new logo and some colors and like yeah. a couple like pieces of, of communications that we're just going to start plastering all over. It has to be bigger than that. So if it's not embraced as bigger than that by leadership all mm -hmm. the way up, then I think it falls a little bit flat. It doesn't mean it fails, but it kind of just lands more as like a, a pretty marketing lift. And we just, we really, we try to help our customers see that it's not that. So yeah, to answer your question, do we help them? Yeah, we, we try to, preach and teach the whole way from beginning to end. This mm -hmm. is how impactful this is going to be. This is how you should be thinking about it. Uh, we do a brand rollout presentation with our clients mm -hmm. before they even see any work. That's how early we're prepping them mentally for the amount of energy and effort it's going to take actually to do the rollout well, that you got to mm -hmm. audit all your stuff, like even yeah. the tactical portions yeah, of this. Yeah. I'm, I spoke before about the emotional side. Yeah. getting everyone pumped about it. But then there's all the tactical stuff, which is like a hell of a laundry list. So we go through all that with them. We tell them what to look out for. Then we do what we, what we call brand support at the back end of the project. So this is this little bridge that we've built to say, okay, now you've got your style guy. We've given you the keys to this awesome Ferrari, but you're still like, I'm very nervous to drive it. I think I will drive it okay, but I'm probably going to ding it up in a couple spots and I'd rather not do that. <laughs> so we stay on with them. Cool. for a series of time, let's call it three to six months. And we help them through that whole rollout. We, we basically become an augmented kind of design brand kind of unit for them. Mm -hmm. What is great for them is they don't have to jam it into their own team, which is this would be all new stuff to them. Maybe they don't even have the team to do it. And we have the team not only to do it, but was actually part of that initial creation anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And at that point, they have realized that Focus Lab is more than just design and writing and strategy. We focus hardcore on the customer experience that our clients receive as they go through this because mm -hmm. rebranding is a hell of a journey. And if all we were doing is moving pixels and writing words, we'd be like the other 98%. The other right? yeah, we want to be right. up into that 1% to say like, wow, we have never even worked with a better company regardless of what the, the craft output is. I feel like the employee experience sometimes is so forgotten on this. Everyone's so excited about sort of the 
the renewed focus or the new focus and what that means out to the marketplace, what that means for employees and does it resonate? Does it inspire them? And are you measuring that from an employee perspective, at least to understand how does this resonate internally and are people getting behind it? And do they understand how maybe that new brand or, or that new why or the renewed sort of understanding of the why, how they are t- internalizing that and bringing that into their day-to-day? Is that something you guys do as well? Or how important is that part of the process? So they don't need to buy into it before it's out there. It's more of a like move that bus moment, right? Move that bus. You remember the show and then like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, epic yeah, house yeah, is in the background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, the team is eagerly waiting on the other side of the bus, waiting for the bus to move. They do not need to say, oh, I don't like those light fixtures. Oh, actually, by the way, I think it should be the green and not blue. Key parts of the project team, key, key members of the project team are there to speak for their departments, if you will, right? So you might have voice of the customer, mm-hmm. CMO, so head of marketing, a head of design, sometimes founder, CEO. So they're there to make sure that the company's kind of like collective group is spoken for, but no, I mean, you're not running it up and down the pole constantly say like, do you like this? Do you like that? Do, do you think we should be this? <laughs> so what you have to do then, because you haven't done that is you need to make sure when you roll it out, this is why we did this. Mm-hmm. This is why we're excited about it. This is what it's actually going to change. This is how it will affect you. And you need to put that enthusiasm and basically all that work and thinking, et cetera, into them or what you're going to do is you're going to move the bus walk away and they're like i think it's cool but like i wonder why we built that that way right like you don't want to leave them to to tell their own story yeah, yeah. so that's where that kind of like that steve jobs moment if you can create it is really impactful very cool very cool let's talk about digital for a second bill another thing that really has from an importance perspective really has accelerated obviously digital has been ex- important for a long while, but maybe from a, just the importance of, and I hate to use the word channel. If you've got a different word for it, I'm all ears. That is really accelerated, but customers continue to go into branches. They continue to go into dealerships. They continue to go into the store. They continue to get physical mail, right? From the companies that they buy mm-hmm. from. How do you connect the dots across all of these touch points to ensure that there is a sort of omni-channel branded experience because that is really tough. Well, you're working with B2B tech companies, so that's a little different, right? Right. But even if you think about what's coming down the pike, right? Web 3.0 metaverse, like how do you, now Now we're going to go, it's not omni-channel, it's omniverse, right? How do you think about connecting the dots across there? Is it just that upfront when you're doing the the work, understand sort of what are the, what are the guidelines or principles that you're going to follow and then making sure that no matter what the platform is, you're following those across or is there something different going on there? No, that's right. You're exactly, it has to be that way. And in a way that simplicity kind of makes it easier for everybody because it can get pretty unwieldy really yeah. quick, right? You get these big companies, you get digital team way over here, disconnected from whatever these people are doing. So if you want to pull it all the way back and you start to say, okay, our, the archetype of this company is the sage or the hero or our three words are that like magical joyful and enlightenment if we can just continue to pin to those to say well is it magical and joyful to to interact with our app 
how the hell do we make it joyful and, 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 and enlightenful to like open up mail? Well, we better find out because if we really <laughs> want this to be consistent, that's kind of like what we're going for. The companies that do that well, they win, right? Like Apple has nailed that from both a digital and a packaging perspective. Yeah, it's the same totally. reason I have like nine Apple boxes in my closet <laughs> of crap that I'm never going to return because they have made that, that box sliding up off the thing. Like yeah. their attention to detail, their perfection, their craft carries across the entire board. So it doesn't have to be this big, complicated, like, oh my God, how do I connect all these channels and get everybody on the same page? It's like, keep it simple, stupid, yeah. right? Like think yeah. about what those three words are and just live yeah. and die by them. Yeah, yeah. Back to Apple. I, I'm a huge Apple fan. I think that they make the box difficult to open to increase the intensity of you just dying to get to the product. Like, you're like the, you gotta wiggle the suction it the thing, is like, so strong. I'm like, you need like two people to freaking open it. Like, you gotta get a knife in there to kind of jam it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you better this. believe there's psychology at play for oh. sure. You get companies that big, they're thinking about brand really, really deeply. I don't have the size of team where I can have four psychologists on the team. In a perfect world, that would be epic, right? Because yeah, a lot of totally. brand is just pure psychology. Yeah, totally. Hey, Bill, I'm really interested to hear, who do you look up to from a business perspective in, the, in your space? Like, who are the rock stars that you look to, look up to? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know why this is, but like if someone says, what brand books should I read? I'm like, geez, I don't seem to have read a lot of brand books. Why is that? I almost feel like a fraud. Or like, what, what people in your industry do you follow? And I'm like, God, I'm kind of a fraud on that front too. So I don't have a big list of industry names, but I have a couple standouts that that I look up to more from like a business and mindset mm -hmm. perspective that have been shaped me more in that regard than just uh, other people running agencies, if you will. But a name that jumps out to me industry-wise is a guy named Brian Collins. He runs Collins, which is an agency in New York City. He is the type of person that resonates mm. with me, which is really down to earth, super humble, really genuine and authentic. And his company is wildly talented and creative. So I can't not look at that group, that company, and, and that leader and be like, damn, they're like, they're doing it well. They got it going on. So that would be in industry. There's certainly a lot of really talented yeah. people in the industry. But outside of the industry where I've gotten a lot of value in kind of like this, they don't know they're a mentor, but they are because I'm reading their <laughs> yeah. books and watching their stuff. Patrick Lencioni's a pretty good one for me a standout i'm not sure if you've That's if you've heard name, of him yeah. yeah so he does a lot of writing and speaks at conferences but he writes on basically similar to jim collins which is this like how do you take a a company or a team from good to great what are the unique advantages in human beings that if you focus on them will make you a better mm -hmm. human how do you hire the right people inside of your company and he's patrick has written all these fantastic books that that we've like read and leveraged actually as okay we're going to follow his model he says to find the right team so that book is the ideal team mm -hmm. player to find the right team members you you look for these three traits so we read that and we say okay those are the traits we're going to look for and voila it works That's awesome. it's great and it's not rocket science so patrick is a standout to me i can't help but be inspired by simon yeah, yeah. Sinek. just the way he thinks about humans and people and how that relates to business. And so I don't know, there's a couple name drops Very cool. off the top Very of the cool. Head. All right. Last question for you. I know it's a Friday and you're a busy guy. You got to get on with your day. Where do you go for inspiration? 
I'm so I get to add some context here. I think it will help. I no longer design stuff at Focus Lab, and that's a good thing, right? There are better designers within this company, so I don't do that anymore. So my answer is not wildly creative design sites or museums or architecture in downtown (laughs) Chicago. That's like that's not me. For me to get inspired, really reading really awesome autobiographies of people either that were business owners or were mm. not, right? Like I just read the Flea, like the, the base. Yeah, for the base, Red Hot Chili um, Peppers. Yeah. Is it bass guitar? Yeah, he plays bass. Yeah. yeah, like I read his story. That's a great book, actually. Uh, Shoe Dog, which is the Phil Knight yeah. book, which is the guy that started Nike. Like that's the type of stuff that gets me gassed up because I'm this like sucker for the underdog, the entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. the like find your that's way. Awesome. So that that's the type of stuff that, that gasses me up. Shoe Dog is a great book. I actually read the Fleet Biography. I love biographies around from like rock stars. And for some reason, one, uh-huh. I'm a huge Chili Peppers fan and listen to them all the time. But I thought it was just, and Flea's just one of those weird kind of creative, unbelievable right. individuals. You want to know, like, like what was yeah, your life? exactly right. That was also a great book. I'm with you. I'm a big biography person as well. And I get a lot of joy from understanding people's stories and what makes them tick. That's why I start off every show with just telling about your journey, right? Hey, Bill, this is an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's great to get to know you a little bit and I love the work that you guys are doing at Focus Lab. And hey, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Yeah. So again, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I love chatting about what we do. I love just chatting with people about anything. So, So to follow me, it's pretty simple. It's the handle... Bill, B-I-L-L-S, middle initial S, Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. That's literally on like just about every platform. So that's going to be Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. I just locked that up everywhere I could because I stuck my middle initial in there. I was able to kind of grab a bunch of those. So yeah, Bill S. Kenny at at basically any location. Company name Focus Lab has a variety of different handles. But if you just Google search us, you'll find us. All right. Well, thanks again for being the show. Thanks for the gift of your time today. And another great show, folks. We're out. Talk to you soon, everyone. Thanks for listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.